Greetings and welcome to our podcast. This has never seen it. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. Hello! Today, we are going to watch a movie neither of us have seen. We're going to watch the 1995 crime classic, Heat. Yes, we are. Heat. Uh, Betsy, we haven't seen this movie. And, no. <laughs> uh, just to go along with, hey, it's summer, why not watch a movie called Heat? This is like the hottest day of the uh-huh. year to date. <laughs> uh-huh. It's going to be like 99 degrees today or some shit. Anyway, so what do you know about this movie, Betsy? Uh, I think that this is like one of those bank heist movies, question mark? Yeah, it's it's a heist movie. <laughs> and it's kind of heavy hitters. Like, this is a mm-hmm. packed movie as far as stars go. This is one of, is this De Niro and Pacino? De Niro, Pacino, and Val Kilmer. And Val Kilmer. So yeah, yeah this is that kind of spot in their career where they were really hitting their stride. They were already right. famous. They already both had an Oscar. But in the yeah. 90s was when they were raking it in. Yeah, these two guys <laughs> were in high, high demand. And, like, they just kept on cranking out hits. Casino came out the same year yeah. as as Heat. So wow. De-, De Niro was on a hot streak. Absolutely. Uh, but as far as, like, what this actually is, I don't know. I'm assuming that they are all the same crew that are doing this. I don't know if it's one where we are planning the heist the whole movie, if we have several heists throughout the movie, mm-hmm. if it's right or at the beginning and then it, it's all the chase after. Or is it like Reservoir Dogs where you don't actually see the heist? Right. It's just the aftermath. Because this would have been circa the same time as Reservoir Dogs, yeah. you know, a couple years after. Mm-hmm. And that was a very in thing to do. That was a very trendy thing in the early mid nineties to, to really to, to to focus on the robbers and not the actual act. Yeah, we're doing the story about these people. We're yeah. not talking about the thing. It's kind of the MacGuffin right. of the piece. We just don't <laughs> address it. Right. Uh, yeah, so I don't really know what to expect. Uh, you were looking this up before we started recording, and you mm-hmm. said this is a Michael Mann movie. Yeah. Didn't know that until 10 minutes ago. <laughs> nope. Uh, and Michael Mann has put out some fucking bangers. Like, uh, one of yes. our favorite movies, Collateral, was a Michael Mann joint. God, that's a great movie. It's a great movie. And it has grown on me. Like, I liked mm-hmm. it the first time I watched it, but the more I have seen it, the yeah. more I'm like, shit, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> it is my favorite Tom Cruise movie by a mile. Well, and for the time, and we talked about this in the last episode when we watched a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, uh, We've done that a couple of times. We this have month. recently. Is he was playing against type? Yeah, he was a bad guy. He was the bad guy, and he looks completely different uh-huh. in that movie. Yeah. So yeah, that one Michael Mann did. Uh, you said he did Inside Man, mm-hmm. which you have not seen that no. one. But I have, and that, yep. I and I think maybe we'll get to that one someday because I think it's at least worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were just a ton of other ones that you mentioned. Now I've forgotten entirely, but a bunch that I had seen. Yeah, he did Ali. Yeah. And uh, Hancock. So a couple with Will Smith. Yep. Uh, his most recent one was Ford versus Ferrari, which is a we we didn't talk about it at the time because we didn't have a podcast yet. But that is the quintessential dad movie. Absolutely. When I walked out and I wrote my one sentence review, I was like, <laughs> this is such a dad movie because it's that kind of thing that is always on cable and your father loves it. <laughs> yeah, that, it's a, one of those movies that one of those cable channels can just grab onto and just throw it on 
at any time. It's a good movie. I it like is. it. Don't uh, get we're, me wrong. We're not denigrating the movie as a, a dad movie. And by the way, happy father, happy late Father's Day to all the dads out there. Absolutely. Uh, but Heat is one that I haven't gotten to yet. And I yeah. don't really have any reason for not having seen it other than I just haven't gotten to this one yet. I have wanted to see Heat for years. Yeah? Yes. This is like a bucket list one for you. Yes. Uh, so many people that I have followed just through whatever the internet have just raved about Heat. Okay. And it's mainly people who have like worked in the video game industry. Because a lot of video games have taken their cues from Heat. Interesting. Not only in their storytelling, but their action sequences and just the entire thing. Like Grand Theft Auto V is basically Heat. Oh, okay. Because it's a crew of people who do, like, that's a heist video game. Okay. You're planning a heist, you're assigning people to do a thing. And I'm very curious to see what kind of references I pull out of this movie that I've seen in other things. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. I love when you can draw the perspective of video games because I don't ever get those. I don't pick those up because I don't play sure. video games. Sure. But you've done it a few times as we've watched other movies that mm -hmm. you've heard of and you've heard people talk about because of people in the video game industry. Indeed. So we'll see how this compares. But uh, is there anything else that you actually know about this one? Just what I've said, I I, I was like hovering over uh, the the heat thing, and I saw an actress in this movie that I had no idea that it was going to be in it. I'm gonna leave that for later so that you can discover it on your own. Good. But holy cow, I did I had no idea she was in this. Movie. I suspect this is gonna be another one that has a lot of people I recognize. At least a few. At least a few. All right, so we're gonna go and watch Heat. We will be right back. We're back. Betsy, did you feel the heat? <laughs> I mean, there were certain moments I was certainly feeling the heat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think this was really good. I understand why people like this. This is one for me I think I'm going to have to watch a couple times to really get to the I love this movie phase. Okay. Because I definitely see this being a movie I could love, but there's so much going on and to figure out yeah. who is who and who is doing what and wait, what's happening here? To, to have it all come to you organically yeah. rather than us having to like go back a little bit. Let's let's watch that scene again. Like, what did he say there? Who, and, what's happening here? Yeah, we right. had to kind of pause and re-refresh right. each lot. other. There's a lot. There's a lot of different factions and parties here. But I think overall, this was an excellent movie. Absolutely, yeah. I think I just witnessed probably the best like shootout action scene I have ever, ever this seen. This movie got real loud real fast. It got intense. <laughs> yes. Seriously. That fucking shootout after the bank robbery, that is what I'm talking about. There are some really long sequences in this movie with no dialogue. Yeah. And they're the most intense parts of this entire movie. And I mentioned while we were watching it, it's like, damn, this the 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 pacing here seems to kind of slow down. 
And that was right before they were going to do their second heist, which yeah. didn't end up happening. I, I knew they were going to have this big, big thing happen. They're going to rob a bank. That's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. So we finally got there, kind of went off without a hitch while they were doing it. But at the end, wow, wow. Like, I, I was tense. I was tensed up. My body the would not let go. The last scene of this movie in particular, I was so, like, tight. The last scene at, at, <laughs> Very, at So LAX? much tension, yes. Okay, sure. Yeah. But I'm talking about the shootout scene. At, oh, at, yeah. After the bank robbery. Oh, yeah. That right there, probably the best action scene like that I've ever seen. It's really quality. And you're, you're right. The pacing in this, it, it kind of is slow burn to start, amps it up. Yeah cools down yep. and just when you're about to start getting bored mm-hmm. they amp it back up again yeah so yeah the pacing is really good in this movie and i was a little concerned because there's some mm-hmm. moments like i said where it's like i'm just about to get bored and then it got they interesting brought, again. they brought you back in <laughs> yes just when i think i'm out they bring me back in. <laughs> that's a different movie <laughs> shut up i can make all the references i want in this movie podcast same actor same actor different movie that's right. Uh, yeah, and we were not kidding about this is a movie full of actors you recognize. Yeah. Big and small. There's a few that I we, I didn't even know were in it. Holy shit, we're sitting there minding our own business and then fucking Henry Rollins? Henry fucking Rollins <laughs> is the banker's like muscle guy. Yeah, he's just some thug. Yeah. But he's very young here. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know who Henry Rollins is, he was in what? What would you call it? A he was angry. A, he's in a he's in a punk band called angry, Black Black yeah. Flag is what he is most known for. Back in like the eighties, yes, nineties, yes, and, and then he, he, he kind of started doing these talking tours. Like it's not comedy. It's not. It's just storytelling. We, he's had a really interesting life. He has a very interesting career. Like he started out in Black Flag. He did his own thing for a little while, but then he's also a very introspective person, as just as an individual. And he started writing books, and he started journaling, and he started doing all these things, and people really dug what he was doing. Traveling the world. And he's got so many stories yes. of him just touring around with his bands over the over the decades. And he's friends with everybody. He's friends right. with RuPaul, which is like the yeah. greatest he thing. All, yeah, he, he guest hosts on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, this dude who is very like straight edge yeah. punk rock. <laughs> right. He has told stories about the fact that he's been drunk like a couple of times, didn't like it, never did it again. Yeah. Never done any kind of drugs. Nope. Uh, never been married. But yeah, we've actually seen his talking shows, as he calls it. Uh, I've seen him now three times. Betsy, you've seen him twice. Yeah. With me. So, dude is very impressive. And just to see him back in the mid-90s, trying out his acting thing. This is probably one of his first acting roles, It's too. one of his first. He was also in that Charlie Sheen movie, The Chase. Really? He plays a cop. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen that one either, so I, I haven't seen it, but I'm very well aware of it. Which is so funny because you, being a Henry Rollins fan, had yes. no idea he was in this movie. Not a, not a clue. None. <laughs> None. I was just like, Jesus, it's Henry Rollins. <laughs> we had to pause the movie to confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of other people who we had no idea, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Played and Trejo. I, yeah, his, his character's his name character is Trejo. Name is Trejo. 
And I wonder if this is maybe one of his first things. I think it must be because yeah. we were talking about, you said the first thing you saw him in was like early 2000s. It was Triple X in 03. And the first thing I saw him in was Con Air. Yeah, So late 90s. Late 90s, 97, 98, whatever mm-hmm. that came mm-hmm. out. So again, very young. He has kind of a small role in this, but a pivotal yeah. one. Yep. Uh, Natalie Portman. That was the person I was referring to in the <laughs> intro saying, I saw a scene with her with some preview somewhere. She's like a little teenager. Yep. And yeah, she's, yeah, she's in this. She shows up. Bud Court. And Bud Court. Bud Court is in this movie. The second appearance of Bud Court in this podcast. For reasons unbeknownst to us. Yeah, Bud Court <laughs> is the the shitty uh, restaurant manager. He's an asshole. Yes. <laughs> and he is only there because there's kind of this... They introduce some different characters sort of out of sequence, and we don't know their relevance until later. Right. But he has an employee who is, like, recently paroled. Right. And what's his name? David Haysbert? I don't know. I don't remember what his name is. The guy but with the voice. He's the Allstate spokesman. The Allstate. The guy who talks like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, you said you don't think you've ever seen him actually I've act. I've never seen him act in anything. But he came on screen and you opened his mouth and we were oh, both yeah. like, oh, I know that voice. Well, of course. <laughs> the Allstate guy is in this movie. Um, who else? Oh, McKelty Williamson. I think that's his name. He was um, Bubba. In Forrest Gump. As as who? Who was he? He was one of the other cops. Okay. Yeah, so he's just sort of, again, in the background. Okay. Uh, but I recognized him. Mm-hmm. Um, Tone Loke. Tone Loke Makes is in this movie. <laughs> again, talk about a voice that you immediately recognize, but right. you maybe don't know why. Yeah, Tone Loke is Al Pacino's CI's, like, brother or he's cousin or something. So he's the guy he sits down with at the club yep. and gives him the info about Slick. That is Tone Loke of Funky Cole Medina fame. And he made some movies in the 90s, and I think people forget about this, but he's actually pretty good at this. <laughs> Whatever. He's in he's, one scene. He's in one scene, but, you know, if you didn't know that was Tone Loke, you'd just say, hey, that guy's all right. Right. But then you know it's Tone Loke, and you go, oh, dear. <laughs> Why are you in this uh, we also got Hank Azaria is in a few scenes Very here. Very young, early Trying to movie. do live action stuff. Yes. Because if you do not know, Hank Azaria is most famous for all of his Simpsons characters. Which he would have been doing for years already at oh, this yeah. point. Yeah, he would have already been doing this uh, for, for at least five years at this point. But he wouldn't have made it into many movies. No. Because this is pre-Birdcage. Yeah, he was still really trying to make it as... A, an on-screen actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also made a short stint on Friends. He almost got the job of what, Joey? One of the characters, yeah. yeah. He, he went out for the, the cast of Friends as Joey, and he didn't get it, but he got a get a, like a recurring guest appearance yeah, role Yeah, he ended later up being on later. Yeah. But he's the guy, who's, he's like the, the boyfriend of Ashley Judd. Yep. And speaking of, Ashley Judd is in this yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. And Amy Brenneman is in this movie. Uh-huh. Who, again, this like predates her big TV show. Her yeah. big thing was judging Amy and in the I late think, 90s. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. I've seen her in a couple of things. But it was like the early 2000s, like movies around that time. Like the thing I know her from is the Jane Austen Book Club. <laughs> 
which is another one of those like okay. movies that women like that's based on a book kind of a thing. Yeah, it, it's the, romance. It's and very it's, much a Betsy movie. It's life, you know, imitating art kind of a thing. And then, of course, we've got William Fitchner. Fitchner. I'm not exactly sure how to say his name. This is one Fitchner. of those guys that you don't know his name, but you yeah. 100% know his face. I think the thing that most people will know him from is a very, very similar kind of a role. He was in The Dark Knight as the bank manager. In the opening and scene. And the opening scene where the bank is getting robbed by the Joker. And that's it. He's the guy who, he puts the the thing in his mouth, the, the gas can in his mouth. Yep. As he's walking away and pulls the, the string. Yep. That's him. Isn't he also in Armageddon? Yes. <laughs> he's he's one of the astronauts that go go up with the the grunts. He's one of the real deal astronauts. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. other He's the guy who gets the gun out of the case where what's his name says, "What are you doing with a gun and spice?" <laughs> I will always always say that line when I have an opportunity. Uh and then there's one other role that I don't know if you even know this. He is in a movie where you never see his face, but you hear his voice. And he plays the therapist in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. yeah. So you never see his face, but they're in a therapy session at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie and then and at, at the, the end. end. Yep, yep. And the two of them are facing the camera and you don't see a man. You don't see a woman. You don't see nope. anybody. You no, just hear a, just a, a disembodied voice. And that is his voice. But he has <laughs> one of those really distinct speaking voices that I was sitting there in the theater the first time I saw Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> and I knew, I knew, I knew his voice. And I, yeah, I had to look him up afterwards. That's the guy. That's the friggin' guy. So this is a jam-packed movie. Like, so many different actors that you have seen, large and small parts, a lot of character actors, but also a lot of heavy hitters, people who have gone on to have really substantial careers. Totally. Uh, And there's a couple of, like, really minor things. We'll we'll get off this topic here, but good God. Like, Betsy and I, because we've seen so many movies, we can just say, hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Remember him from this? One of them was uh, Pacino's partner with kind of, like, very, very balding head. Oh, with the mustache? With the mustache, yeah. He's in the first Fast and the Furious movie. Yes, he is. It's Toretto, Brian. It's always been Toretto. (laughs) He's another one who usually plays a cop or an FBI agent. He looks like a fucking cop. Mm -hmm. He's (laughs) been in a lot of things where he plays just sort of a smarmy asshole. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a cop. You know, a cop. Uh, Yeah, and there's a lot of really interesting performances, a lot of... Interesting things happening in this movie. Of course, the dynamic is that Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, who we haven't mentioned up yeah. to this point, but and Tom he's another... Sizemore is kind of a nothing actor. He hasn't really done anything of consequence. No, you he... just know his name and his and face, that, and that he's an actor. Yep, that's about it. He usually plays a tough guy. Sure, but they're in this crew. It's the three of them are the core group with mm-hmm. Danny Trejo, and yeah. they always work together. And then they occasionally bring in outside people because they need one more one more man to do something for whatever job they're doing. Yeah. And then we've got Al Pacino, who is the detective who's like, what is it, the robbery and homicide Yeah, he's an LAPD detective detective who investigates robbery and homicide stuff. We are introduced to all of these different characters in their own way. Yes. And when we meet Pacino, he's fucking his wife. 
Yes, he is. <laughs> they are just making out. <laughs> right. So, and this is where we also, uh, a little bit later, get introduced to Natalie Portman, who is the stepdaughter of Al Pacino. Yep. So she's like 13, 14 years old. Yeah. She's a little teenager in this. Yeah. And she is a very needy teenager who is... Uh, always talking about her dad. Who we never meet. Who we never meet. He's a piece which, of shit. <laughs> of course, I, knowing movies, immediately assumed that her dad was actually one of the crew. Which would make sense. I'm yeah. kind of glad yeah. he wasn't, yeah. but it could have been an interesting I'm way glad to that this it. movie kept you guessing. Yes. Because there was one other moment where the audience was kind of faked out. At least I was faked out. It's when Pacino goes back to his apartment near the end of the movie and he walks in. You you saw all the water on the floor. I don't think he even noticed it when he walked in. No, he just walked by. But I, I saw this yeah. big wet stain on the carpet. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? And you kind just of figured, shit oh, this is, this is just some shit motel. He's he's staying at for, because his wife kicked him out. Once he goes back, he looks in, and it's the camera's up at that angle where it's like underneath him, and he's like freaky. He, he opens it up, and his eyes go wide, and I figured it was gonna be De Niro in there. Like just waiting, waiting for, for him. him. Yeah, I thought that, or I also that thought would that be the maybe, movie trope. That maybe he got the other guy that he was looking for from the beginning, Wayne, Wayne Grow, Wayne, whatever yeah. his name yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe he got him and like stashed him in his hotel room somehow. Okay, okay. Because of course they they're scoping out this guy's hotel room. Right. They know where he is, and they're putting out feelers to lure this guy in. Right. Neil, so De Niro's character, mm-hmm. and nothing is happening and nothing is happening. Well, I figured, well, maybe nothing's happening because it already happened. He somehow like got in there and sure. got him and dumped his body. But no, it's uh, it's the the daughter yeah. who is uh, very much uh, looking for a cry for help. Absolutely, yeah. She she kind of throughout the movie says like she has kind of a meltdown over yeah. like little things. She's looking for her little berets, and her mom doesn't know where they are, and they're not really paying and attention to her. And mom's not listening to me. Yeah. And I want dad here, and I want it to be perfect. But then like she has this weird hang up on her dad. Like she's almost scared of him. Like she doesn't even want to see him. But she desperately wants to see him. Like, right. it's a whole... Like, she wants it to be perfect. Yeah. Like, she's very much about control. Right. And then, like, there's a later scene where she's just sitting alone on a bench and says, I wanted to be by myself for a while. Sure. So we don't really get a whole lot of development that leads to her cutting her own wrist. Right. And that right there, I think... I don't think was very earned as a, no. as a storytelling thing. We needed more. We for needed that. a little bit more for that to. If really... I got a director's cut of this, <laughs> there must have been other things in there with her. Yeah, because there's there's just like a little bit of something that I would have liked that to be more developed because it's shocking, but it doesn't feel necessary exactly for yeah. what's going on at this point in the movie. It's right. just something to have happen, and I don't know if it's just to demonstrate that. He actually does really give a shit about his stepdaughter, even though they have sure. firmly established he doesn't really give a shit about his wife or his marriage. Yeah. They keep saying how his whole thing is being a cop and being a detective. It's the and next he cares thing that he's more chasing. about that. Yeah, it's the next thing that he's chasing. Uh, in his line of work, there's always something, especially in L.A. Absolutely. So. And they set it up with he's one character and De Niro's the other character, but it's that kind of a movie where they're the same. And right. that's that's the whole meat and potatoes of yeah. what this movie You're is. You're never going to stop them, no matter no. what. No, they a are marriage, both driven. A marriage and a child will not stop Pacino. And 
De Niro isn't going to stop what he's doing because he hasn't gotten what he's looking for yet. Well, they're both very, the word is disciplined. He uses the word disciplined. De Niro says they have a conversation with each other at a coffee shop. Yeah. And they establish that they have the same drive, Mm -hmm. but Pacino's trying to have his cake and eat it too. So he's had three marriages and they have all failed, including the third one, which he is currently on. And he keeps trying, but he knows that his whole thing is his job. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's good at it. And he's very good at it. But then De Niro is literally willing to walk away from everything Mm -hmm. because that's the only way he survives. He is a lone wolf. He yep. is the solo guy. We even get some scenes here where, you know, they're all going out to celebrate with all, all the, the wives, wives and, and the, the kids. kids. And there he is with an empty chair next to him. Very he's symbolic. Got, he's got no one else to share things with. By choice. Right. And at the same time, speaking of that word, Pacino's wife says, you never share with me. Uh, I want you to share in your in your collective trauma that you that I know that you're going through. Yeah, unload some of that that you're yeah. holding so tight to. Right, and Pacino just comes out and says, "You don't really want me to tell you about the baby that I found microwaved because it was crying too much, do you?" Yeah, it's That's like fucked really up. fucked up stuff he deals with. Right. And yes. And he doesn't want to bring it home and I, that's understandable. Uh-huh. But your wife wants to support you. You need to let her do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the the two the two paths that yeah. you can take. Yeah, the dynamic between these two people are really, really good. Now, this is why I really want to watch this again, just to yeah. see, because there's clearly going to be a lot of parallels yeah. and intentional things about these two characters because they have mutual respect for each other. Like when they have their right. scene together, they say, you know, if I got to take you down, I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to do my job. Right. And then he says, that's, you know, there's another side to that coin. I might have to take you down. Yep. And then they end the conversation and they both just have a little smirk. Mm-hmm. They both just have the tiniest little crack of a smile. That was a really great scene. Absolutely. But think about this, Betsy. For a movie that is like all over the place with advertising saying, De Niro and Pacino finally at it again. They're on screen together like five minutes. Yeah. Out of almost a three hour movie. They're in the same space, but like one of them's in a truck observing the other. One of them is on top of a building observing the other. You don't need to have them on screen at the same time. No, but when they're together. But when they're together, it's fucking magic. I get why they keep using these two in movies together. And this one right here, this is like the sweet spot because... They're not young and hot-headed anymore, but they're not old and crotchety like they are now. Because uh, like I don't know we, about hot-headed with Pacino. We'll get there. Okay, we, <laughs> we've we've talked about it before, though. Like when they're old, Al Pacino is basically a yeah. parody of himself now. Yeah, and De Niro is just this old man shuffling around. Yeah, and this is like young ish they're like middle-aged so pacino i don't know how old he was but i looked it up and de niro was like 52 yeah and i'm not gonna lie okay this is a weird thing for me to say that i never thought i'd say oh no he's kind of hot in this movie (laughs) i don't know what it is but he looks really good in this movie all right maybe it's the suits maybe it's the like you know, he's refined enough, but he hasn't tilted all the way to being an old man yet. All right. But I was just like, 
dang, he looks pretty good in this. <laughs> Which I never really thought I would say about Robert De Niro. And you know past what? maybe 1978. He's got a little bit of the gray in there. Yeah. yeah. He looks like just refined enough that, you know, if you're into older men, <laughs> like, and maybe it's just because I'm now 37 that I'm, my eye is turned. <laughs> but not anymore. Like present day Robert De Niro, he's, sure. he's way too old for me. He's an old man. Speaking of, let's just have a little aside Story here. time! Story time. Uh, Betsy and I took a vacation a few years ago to New York City. We did do that. In our travels, we booked a, a couple of tickets to go see a couple of late shows because, hey, we like the, the, the late night talk shows. Yes, we do. We went to see Seth Meyers first on one day. That was really cool. We got to see, who did we see? We saw Tracy Morgan was Tracy there. Morgan and some NBC News guy called uh, uh, Willie Geist. Mm-hmm. And then we went to see Stephen Colbert the next day. We did. And it was a very different experience because Seth Meyers is up at 30 Rockefeller Center, a much nicer and bigger building. We, we When we went over to see Stephen Colbert, this is a very old theater. We were corralled. <laughs> we were very much corralled in this place that was like freezing cold because the air conditioner was right on top of us all kind of sandwiched in together in this entryway we're wearing hoodies in the middle of like it was, spring it was uh, april, april it yeah. was april yeah and as as we got into the place we ended up getting a pretty good seat we were near the aisle and you know, Stephen comes out. They do the show. They kind of tell everybody how things we are going to go. We knew who the guests were going to be. We knew uh, it was going to be, uh, it was going to be like Laurie Metcalf, um, Cage the Elephant. Cage was the there. Elephant was going to do a performance, uh, and and a, a comedian named uh, Rami Youssef. He had his uh, his Hulu show coming out. Yep. But then, kind of halfway between, <laughs> Stephen comes out and says, "So we're going to have another guest here, and this isn't going to be on tonight's show, but." When, in the course of things, when somebody happens to be in town, we like to record an interview with this person. Because it works for their schedule. Because it works, they just happen to be in town. We want to have them on the show for maybe a, a day or two from now. It just kind of works out for the continuity. Who cares? And he says, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you're going to know who it is. And yeah, he they come back from the quote commercial break. Yep. And he says, Oh, this person is an Academy Award winner. And we go, What? And we just like tense up. Tense like, up. What? So this person is clearly very famous. Okay. <laughs> and they started the Tribeca Film Festival. And we're like, What? <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, it's Robert De Niro. And I let me tell you, that room exploded. The place went fucking nuts. <laughs> I'm just like minding my own business and fucking Robert De Niro comes out on stage and everyone in that theater leapt up onto their feet and was screaming and applauding. <laughs> and let me tell you, my little heart just was like so excited. <laughs> like he is by far the biggest celebrity we have ever seen in the flesh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, that's our, and then we got to see him and he you know, came out yeah, and he talked yeah. about something. I don't even he remember. Did, he did his interview with uh, Steven. He went on his way. Yeah. That was it. And that was it. I don't even remember what he was there to promote. I, I guess it was not. just the Tribeca stuff. I was so overwhelmed by him being in the same room unexpectedly. Yep. I kind of forgot the whole rest of the experience. Well, and by the way, at the very end, Stephen came out to the audience and the camera was on him and we were on TV for like half a second. We were behind him. We were behind him. 
Yeah, so there you go. Story time. Little Absol- story. Absolute segue. But whenever we see Robert De Niro, it's always like, hey, remember when we hey, saw when him? We saw him. I did it while we were watching the movie. Yeah, we didn't meet him or anything. We were, you know, a good hundred feet away from him. We also saw a couple of other people. Uh, just kind of on the street, they were doing some filming of for a, for an HBO show. Yeah, we saw Nicole Kidman. We saw Nicole Kidman. I manifested her. I yeah. said, I want to see a celebrity when we're in New York. And we just happened to be on the right street at the right time. Right. Weird stuff. I think uh, Hugh Grant was also there, but we didn't really We didn't see Hugh him. Grant. We were pretty sure we saw uh, Donald Sutherland, though. Yeah. We saw a very tall, a tall man white with white hair. Yeah. <laughs> so we sort of assumed that. Uh, it was for that show, whatever that show was called. It's an HBO show. It came out recently. It doesn't matter. The Undoing, wasn't that it? I don't remember. But the only reason I recognized what it was is because I saw one of the crew members, uh, they had a radio on their hip, and it had a little sticker on it with the name of the show. Yep. I looked up the name of the show on IMDb, and sure enough, that was that was the name of the and show. And it was like two years later. It was a while later, We yeah. had to wait a long time for that damn show that we and heard we, about. And we never watched. We didn't. We didn't. A lot of people did, though. Anyway, sure. we are completely off the rails now. Let's go back to Heat. All right. So let's at least talk about the three heists that they were going to do here. We're not going to go through the entire thing because this is a three-hour movie. Just about. Go and find the movie and watch it. Uh, thankfully, I had a copy of this from a long time ago. I don't think this is actually streaming anywhere. Not currently. But it is actually coming out on 4K Ooh. in the next, I think, next month. It's Hell yeah! Out. Yeah. So... <laughs> Go and go and get the disc if you're really curious. Anyway, so we start the movie out, and the crew is collecting things for the first heist. They're getting in position. Yeah. They're getting De Niro, ready. De Niro is getting a ambulance. He's stealing an ambulance for uh, a getaway vehicle later on. Uh, we got Val Kilmer going to a construction explosives depot. I guess. I guess. He's buying explosives. Yeah. He's He's the blow-up guy. <laughs> right. Um, he's the demo guy. Yeah. Uh, we got um, is it Danny Trejo. We don't see until later. He shows up a little later. He's kind of the guy watching the radio, listening to the radio, the police yeah. scanner. Yeah. Uh, and then Tom Sizemore is driving a big semi slash tow truck mm-hmm. and right. he picks up the other dude who is just, I don't know, the gunman. I don't know what he is. Or I, why I refer to him. him in my notes as the new guy because yeah. clearly he's new. He doesn't really need to be there other than we need him for the plot later. We, yeah, we need he, him. He is there to move the plot forward. <laughs> <laughs> he's Mr. Plot Device. So yeah, they knock over this armored truck literally literally turn it on its side and blow up the bottom and they're trying to find something specific so they're like fishing through all of the stuff inside well and before that to get into the armored truck the explosive dude Val Kilmer uses this thing that is like it's even more than an explosive because it blows out all of the the windows of the cars nearby and it blows out the ears of all of the people inside. Well, that would be any explosive if you were inside. <laughs> True, but this was like extremely violent. Yeah, this is some high grade shit. Yeah. But it's common. It's like stuff they use in construction sites sure. for really it's specialized. refined. Like, I just want to blow up this specific area. Sure. So, yeah, they get everybody outside. They line them up in front of the armored car. They have three minutes in order to do it. And they're clocking it. And they're clocking it because they, they know what like what the, the response time is for that particular precinct, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So 
yeah, they go in and they're rifling through all of the documents and whatever else that they have in there. Whatever's been picked up. And they're not going after cash. There's no cash in there very or much. Or if there anyway. is, they're not taking it. They're, they're not, not going after the cash. Yeah. They're going after these, this paperwork, this bond, these bonds. Yeah. Bearer bonds. $1.6 yeah. million dollars right. from a specific individual. Right. And this individual is a guy we're going to meet later, but he's, uh, he does like money laundering for drug dealers. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it all kind of goes wrong because these dudes, these armored truck drivers yeah. are all kind of just, one of them is staring down the yeah, new guy. Yeah, one of them is kind of squirrely yeah. and he's, he's staring down the new guy and the new guy just, just falls off and shoots him. And then it turns into a bloodbath and they yeah. kill all three of them. Right. But it's like assassin style for the third one. They right. two in the chest and one in the head kind of a thing. Uh -huh. So, yeah, we established very early in this movie that these guys know what they're doing, mm -hmm. how to do it, and to get away clean. Like, they came prepared. They had every exit within a quarter mm -hmm. mile they had planned out. They had yep. the right equipment. They had the right people. Mm -hmm. uh, they made a quick decision and followed through with it. Right. They had the... You know, what is it? The tracks to blow up the tires. I don't know yeah, what you call the that spike thing. Strips. The spike strips. Yeah. They had those ready because they knew the cops are most likely going to come from that direction mm -hmm. and chase us. Mm -hmm. And they get away with it. Yeah. But of course, that's what gets Pacino on the case because now he is looking for the people responsible. Yeah, and he shows up and just kind of cases everything and... He's got it down. He's like, observant okay, and smart. This is exactly what happened here, and this is what happened here. And they killed this guy a few minutes later because, well, they killed the other two. Why not? Why leave one witness and, if, you, if you kill the other two? And look at the style of which they were yes. killed. Like, this guy was crouched down. Yeah, this guy was sloppy. This guy was executed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so they can tell the difference. And, of course, that guy ends up getting away when right. they try to... Give him what for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't get to pull some shit like that with professionals and yeah. live to tell the tale. Right. Like they were literally going to load him up in the trunk of a car that's already pre-lined. With, with a body bag. With a body bag. But he gets away because there's too many like cops crawling around. Right. And that comes back to bite him in the ass mm -hmm. later in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so these guys are professionals. They're really smart. Al Pacino is professional and really smart. Uh, they kind of manage to cross paths enough they get enough details that they sort of make a educated guess that where they're gonna hit for the second heist yeah. is like a platinum something i don't know what they do there but something everything is platinum. safe yeah yeah they're gonna so, knock it over and it's been robbed but a these, few times yeah but these guys have connections to this stuff um, so they kind of know the ins and outs of the place and it should be an easy in and out job mm -hmm. um but we get to that point, and by then, Al Pacino has gotten himself some information. He's been shaking down his CIs. He's been tr because these guys he knows are really good at and what they do. They've ID'd one of the guys, and that right. you know ID's another one. Mm -hmm. And they don't know who Robert De Niro is, but right. they know Val Kilmer and they know Tom Sizemore. Yeah, and so they are there waiting for them. And once again. The cops sort of fuck things up for themselves <laughs> because they're trying to catch him in the act. Like they yeah. want them to come out of that building yep. with stuff in hand, and that's when they're gonna bust them. Yeah, they're staking out the door, and they've got like this weird infrared camera they're uh, trying to identify stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one of the cops inside of the stakeout vehicle 
makes a mistake and he's got his gun on his back and it like clangs against the metal wall. They're all sitting inside big moving trucks. Yeah, and De Niro is outside and he hears something going on there and there shouldn't be any kind of metal on metal action inside that thing. So he decides to pull the plug and say, drop it, let's get out of here. Yep, and then Pacino says, what are we going to get him for breaking and entering? They haven't taken anything, let him walk. He knows how this entire thing is going to go out. Because if they get busted for anything, it is for minor, minor stuff. They're just going to get out in three to six months and go back to doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's enough for them to get suspicious and realize the cops are onto them. Hence, the heat is on, Trent! (laughs) The heat! They start using the word heat a lot in this movie about this point. Yes, they do. That's the name of the movie! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, they have a little meeting next to a thing that looks like a bunch of big-ass spark plugs. (laughs) Yeah, giant electric It looks like an electrical plant, yeah. Um, But yeah, they, they basically say, assume... That everything is fucked. Assume that they have this entire thing bugged. That they are following us. They you have know your where, phone. They know where you live. They know they know you're tapping your phone. Everything. They're tracking your every. So move. they turn into very paranoid mode, and he puts it out there saying, "I'm okay with walking away from this this next job because their next job is going to be huge. Yep. They're going to knock over a bank." Well, no, they say they're going to do it, but after that, they they say the risk and the reward balance out for this particular job. They could walk away before they ever do it, but they decide this is like a $12 million score and this is what they live for and they all need that money and they Mm -hmm. want that money and they get greedy. (laughs) Yeah, and like if Val Kilmer, it's revealed that he has a gambling problem. Yep, and his marriage is falling apart. He said between Vegas and the Super Bowl, they say both things, uh, he's got no money left. Yeah, Yep. So all of their jobs that they have done, yeah. he's got nothing to show for it. Right. So he needs that money. And De Niro basically says, after this one, I'm out. Yeah. One last job. One last job. Hashtag one last job. It's always the story. And that's where it always goes wrong, you guys. <laughs> Uh, but he's like, you know, scheming with his girlfriend. I'm going to New Zealand and you should come with me kind of a thing. Right. Uh, so their big job at the end of the movie, somebody tips them off that there's going to be this, there's a bank, but what is it? It's like a a specialty bank or something where all the payroll comes into this distribution center, basically. It's a bank hub. Yeah. So a lot of the different places, they bring in their cash, bring in their whatever to deposit into their accounts. Because payroll goes out on Friday. From that and they, source. And they have to have all their cash in that bank so that all the payroll checks can go out on Friday. Mm-hmm. So everything gets uh, put in there like the day before. And this tech guy who Robert De Niro meets is saying, yeah, um, there's all sorts of different security here, but I know how to get around it. I've you got go it all in, planned. You go in the day before, you access this panel here, you plug in my little specialized chip into the board, and it will disable the alarms for the time in which you are there. Mm-hmm. They'll go off 20 minutes before you even get in the door. Yeah. And yeah, they go in. They. This is so interesting. They do not go in with any sort of disguise. They no. are just... Nameless, faceless dudes, because I think that's the thing. These guys are so smart, they realize Mm -hmm. if you are not doing anything suspicious, no one will ever look at your face. No. No one gives a shit. Everyone is so engrossed with whatever they're doing. They Mm -hmm. just want to get in the bank, do their shit, and go home. Right. And they've been waiting in line, and they're grumpy, and they don't care. Mm -hmm. So they literally walk in. The only thing suspicious about them is they have gloves on. 
Yeah. And then they start putting on masks and shooting the place up. Well, actually, no, they don't. They start they, screaming anyway. They start screaming at people. They basically, yeah, De Niro gets up there and says, we're here for the bank's money. We're not here for your money. Your money is insured by the, the, by the U.S. government, which is true. Yep. If your bank, your, even your branch bank, gets robbed, you're fine. Don't worry about it, Don't guys. Don't worry about it. Your, like, your money isn't just stacked up in cash over here. No, there's an insurance. That's what FDIC is. Maybe your banks have been robbed. Maybe your money has been robbed before. But you think they're actually going to tell you that? No. <laughs> no, they're just going to get the insurance and move on. Exactly. <laughs> Though I don't think people actually rob too many banks in this modern age. Yeah, they do, but they, they don't get away get with it. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much stuff these days that just prevents people from being able to get away with it all no. the way. Like they might gonna, get off with the money. Yeah, you're going to get out there and you're going to you're going you're gonna to have that um that um like ink pack in, yep. in the bottom of the bags uh go off for you. Or there's um, tracers or there's like, the like cash. Ca- you know labeled money, they have right. the coding and they can track it. All that stuff is tracked like crazy. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> So yes, not a lot of bank robberies anymore. No, the real robbery these days is crypto, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, they go in. Robert De Niro has his little speech. Uh, Val Kimmer goes back there and gets all the money, puts it into the puts all the very very heavy money into these uh, sacks, bricks and bricks into big duffel bags. Yeah, yeah. that shit would be so That'd heavy. Be heavy. These three dudes are each carrying one of these heavy-ass bags. Think about how heavy, like a ream of paper that you put into like a laser printer. Think about like 12 of those. Or like a box, if you've ever just carried a box of printer paper. A box of them, yeah. This is bigger than that. And that's what it is. It's paper in big stacks. And that paper is heavier than regular paper. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So these dudes pack it all up. They just stroll outside, put on their sunglasses, mm-hmm. you know, walk out the front they door. They go out one by one because there's no alarms going off. Nope. And you have to leave somebody in there to keep control of everybody else. And again, nobody is going to give a shit outside the building unless yep. you're doing something sp- suspicious. Yeah. And these are just three dudes in suits mm-hmm. walking to a car. Yep. With a duffel bag. Yep. Mm-hmm. Calmly collected. Yep. No running, no yelling, no firing. It yeah, looks like nobody shot any, nope. any guns inside the bank. Nope. A couple of people got punched. Um, <laughs> the bank manager, <laughs> he goes up to him and says, give me the key. What key? What are you talking oh, about? Dumbass. Oh, just give me the <laughs> fucking key. Punch. <laughs> yeah. And then he takes it anyway. Yeah. Just hand him the key. <laughs> yeah. So you're not being a fucking hero, dude. No, no, you are not. But they, they get away with it. They get in the car, but somewhere along the way, the cops get a tip. So, yeah. There's this whole thing with the bearer bonds where they took the bearer bonds from this bank dude who, like you said, is like funneling money for criminals. Yeah. He gets a tip from Wayne, the guy at the beginning of the movie who got away. New guy. He roughs up Danny Trejo for information Mm -hmm. and they all tip off the cops who are there while it's going down. Yeah, and Pacino and his crew get there right as they're leaving. As they're getting in the car, but Val Kilmer spots them and Everything opens fire. Everybody yeah. starts shooting at everybody. And Betsy, this was okay. I've mentioned this before in this in, in this podcast. Uh, we've already mentioned Collateral, also made by Michael Mann. Yes. The guns here are super loud. It gets super so loud. loud. <laughs> and like we've got a pretty damn good like audio system here. Like good 
God, did, did, it just got into your chest. You could feel it and in your I body. And I think that is what Michael Mann does best, because in Collateral, at the very end of that movie, when Tom Cruise is going after the other guy, he shoots his guns inside of, of an office complex, and it's loud just like that. There's glass and explosions yeah. and, yeah. That's real shit. Yeah, it's he not uses live real rounds. guns. It's not live rounds, but this is real guns. Yeah, so I would be willing to bet you are right. Yeah, if he did it in Collateral, logic dictates he did it in this movie because yeah. it is so loud and aggressive. And there's so much of it. The number of bullets they had to go through well, and like, filming this. Look at the characters. They have like the, the magazines like strapped to their chest. Yes, they do. They have so many bullets here. And they just keep unloading in yeah. every direction. And right. the cops are firing back. And people are dropping to the ground. The yeah. number of cops are taken out in this battle. Yeah. And... You know, Val Kilmer gets shot in the shoulder. Yep. And Tom Sizemore gets completely taken out. Yeah. Uh, he's finally caught in like a corner and well, he like, Al Pacino he, gets behind him. Well, he grabs a little girl and is like holding her as a human shield. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Pacino gets the drop on him. Yep. And yeah. So yeah, it just goes to hell very, very quickly. And they get away. So Val Kilmer and Robert yep. De Niro get away with a couple bags of money. Right. But not before their getaway driver is killed and the tires right. get shot out and they have to have a big gunfight. <laughs> right. And we didn't even say that the Allstate guy gets recruited from the diner that he's working that in. That day. That day. Because Danny Trejo calls him up and says, hey, I can't go. I got uh, I got uh, cops all over me. Yeah, I which can't is shake them. Yeah. Except I think it's that thing where he... Do you think it was that he couldn't shake them or that he was being shaken down himself? He was being shaken down. Already? That was a lie. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we don't see any of that, so it's easy to kind of try to figure that out. I Again, mean, you could take it that, either way. That thing where the, it's like, wait, what's going on? Right. De Niro Is there something happening here? He immediately says, who wasn't there? Right. It was Trejo. Right. But then he goes and his wife has been murdered and yep. he's laying on the ground he all bloodied up. fuck out of him. Yeah. And so we kind of figure out who the players are and what's going on. Yeah. And I'm watching this movie at this point and I was like, this is that thing that I think in particular Michael Mann is really good at. He does a lot of these like cops and robbers kind of movies where you feel empathetic for the quote bad guys. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, I was like, I want them to get away with it. (laughs) I want them to get away with it. But that's never how these things go. He's really good Mm -hmm. at anti-heroes. Yeah. Like the, the, the Tom Cruise character is an empathetic character to a point. To a point. I don't, he's a piece of shit. Oh, he's terrible. He's a but monster. He's so good at his job, though. And these guys are so good at their job. Yes, they're very charismatic yeah. and smart. And you get to see a little bit of their personal lives, too. Mm-hmm. Like you see they're him just going guys. Out, you see them going out to dinner with their wives. Buying them gifts, and they yeah. have marriage problems, and sure. they've got kids, and yeah. They just have like a family dinner together right. <laughs> like, out at a restaurant, the, the crew right. and the wives. Right. And they all know, every one of those women knows exactly who they are and what they do. Sure. Uh, but yeah, at the end of this movie, I'm like hoping they'll get away with it. But De Niro gets away. Uh, Chris, Val Kilmer's character, gets shot up, but he survives. Yeah. And he's actually the only one that makes it out of this movie, presumably alive. So I want to talk about this for a second. So his wife basically wants out of the whole situation, the life, the works. And the only way she can do that is by working with the cops. Yeah. 
So he shows up, and this whole movie he's had long hair, yeah. but he gets out of the car to see her, and his hair's all gone. He's changed mm-hmm. his look. Mm-hmm. And that is the 1995 Val Kilmer I remember, because oh, yeah. this is the same year he made Batman. Oh, shit. Batman Forever was also 1995. Oh, shit. Oh, wow. So this is like very key time in his career. And that's the guy when he got out of the car. There's like, that's the dude I recognize. (laughs) The wig was not good. (laughs) He looked a little bit ridiculous most of this movie. I mean, I just figured that it was okay. That's after a very long stint of him having like long blonde hair. Yes, true. Uh, But yeah, he goes to see his wife and she gives him a signal basically like, get away. Don't come in here. She just kind of uses the the fingers like walk away. Walk away. Don't do it. And he gets it. He gets away. Mm -hmm. But the cops like stop him. Now, this is interesting. So they stop him at an intersection and they check his ID and the registration and everything. And they say this is all clean. Mm -hmm. And he gets away. Do you think that is because... They have doctored all these documents or because he had a fake name and Chris is not his real name. Right. I I think that's probably true. We could have stopped uh, at the very beginning of the movie when he's buying the explosives because he showed his ID. He did. And whether or not that was a fake ID or a real ID, who knows? Because, yeah, he could be going under an alias this entire time. And when he gives his ID to the cops, that's his real identity. That could be real. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question. And like this person who he's showing hasn't probably shown up on any kind of radar because he has all these aliases. Yeah, he doesn't work under his real name. He works under Chris. Right. They don't say this explicitly, but Mm -hmm. there's enough evidence here to support that that might be what's going on. Because how else does he just get to drive away? And he goes off into the sunset. We don't see him again. Right. Well, and for these things, you know, like Nate, the, the John Voight character. Who we didn't even mention him to this point. <laughs> right, right. Uh, he's like the guy who was like arranging all this stuff. He's the he's, fixer. He's like getting all of these jobs together. He's putting you in touch with these people who are going to give you the, the tools in order to get the, the he's, stuff done. He's moving the merchandise He's the once facilitator, you've got it. He's right. He's the facilitator. But yeah, it's very possible that he had this identity set for him as his out. Maybe. So it's very possible that says all of that it. is legit. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thinking that it is a legit thing. It may or may not be his real, real name, though. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting question. It's a little mm-hmm. moment in the movie. Yeah. But he gets away and he's the only one who does. Right. Because, of course, then we see De Niro, who has been, you know, shacking up with this lady and he basically is feeling things for this woman and He's about to get away. They've made all the arrangements. She's coming with him. She Mm -hmm. has decided to go with him. Mm -hmm. They're going to live happily ever after. We keep on yelling at the screen. Walk away, lady. Just walk away. You do not not want this. She should not be involved with this man. But, you know, she doesn't know who he is or what he is. He tells her his real name, but says I'm a salesman. Mm -hmm. That's what he tells her. Uh He also says he's from the Bay Area. (laughs) Uh, Robert... Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it, De Niro. (laughs) You know, I clearly am from New York, De Niro. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's from the Bay Area. So it's just like, I don't know how much he's telling her the truth and how much he's just feeding her lines. Well, I just figured uh, when we were just kind of introduced to her that everything he's saying is a lie. I mean, most of it is a lie because of what he does. Right. But 
and we assume that that's his he real gives name. her grains of truth though sure but yes he is referred to as neil throughout the movie so i have yeah. i assume that he at least gave her a real name yeah. but yeah he is gonna leave with her and just as they're like in the car and they're going to the airport he gets a call from john Voigt who says oh by the way that guy you were looking for yeah. i know where he is but i don't think you'd be interested in that and he's like you're right i'm getting out but then he's in the car and he's doing that thing where he's thinking about it and he's thinking about it and, and he swerves. swerves and he takes the exit and he gets him mm -hmm. but it's just like nope he couldn't help himself he yeah. had to go and he get had the a good closure. plan he had a good plan he did but he didn't count on pacino being there nope the cops get there him. so yeah he's about to get out Pacino sees this woman waiting in the car by herself because he's really smart and observant. He's a detective. He also mentions to him during their little coffee break that, yeah, I got a woman. He got a woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's looking around anxious and everybody else is running around because there's a fire alarm. So they think they have to evacuate the building. And she's meanwhile sitting very still yeah. in a running vehicle. Mm -hmm. So he figures out very quickly who this is. And De Niro sees him and he does the thing. He looks at him. He looks at her, he looks at him, he looks at her, and he does exactly the thing he said he would mm -hmm, do in that mm -hmm. situation. He walks. Yeah. He gives up everything because it is a discipline for him. This is the life I've chosen, and I will not get hauled back by a woman, a wife, yep. you know, friends. I will leave you in the dust if it means my own survival. Mm -hmm. He is the lone wolf. That's the th another thing. Michael Mann, the lone wolf stuff. Like that's all very sure. metaphorical and literal in his sure. movies. <laughs> um, I would really like to compare this in Collateral sometime, but that's a different topic for a different mm -hmm. day. Uh, yeah, and then there's this sequence where Pacino is dead sprinting after Robert De Niro. Who's they dead run sprinting. a lot. They run a lot. <laughs> and they're right by the airport because this hotel is by the airport. Yeah. And they're out on on the tarmac like hiding behind things and they're in the dark and they're in the light and they there's a lot of shoot shadows out LAX. and yeah it's just really tense and you know some shit is gonna go down there's only gonna be one of these one, guys coming out of one this one guy is going to walk away from this and you don't know who mm -hmm. because they have set this movie up in a way that either one of them could have walked away. And you want and them... And been justified in doing so. You want them both to win, and you want them both to lose. Yes. That is the the magic of this pairing in this movie. Like, it's yeah. really well executed. Yes. And, of course, De Niro loses. He gets shot the hell up. Yep. But, you know, Al Pacino has fucking respect for this man yep. and De Niro says I'm not I told you I'm not going back to prison I'm yep. not going back that's right and he puts up his hands and I was like they're gonna hold hands aren't they <laughs> sure enough they have like a bro moment yep. where he puts up his hand he's bleeding and dying and Pacino just holds his hand tight yep. and they just stand there in silence until he's dead yeah like that's such like a it's it's an interesting thing in movies like this because this is such like a dude movie. it's very a dude movie there's something really interesting about taking these really masculine men and having this like this tender moment tender like <laughs> i got you bro you're my brother and right. i love you and respect you kind of moment sure it's the sort of like taking down the machismo <laughs> <laughs> and people could connect with their sensitive What's, side it's the end of the movie you're all emotional from yeah. the, the, the roller coaster that you were just on and you have this release Yes, you do. And then it's just over. Yeah. The movie's just over. Yep. So yeah, it's it's a lot about these two similar characters and they're just powerhouse actors 
at the top of their game. Yeah. This is a solid script, a solid plot. I have very few problems with it. And I think, again, if I just rewatch this movie, I could digest it more. And now that I know what to expect, this is probably going to grow on me. I think you're right. I think for me to really appreciate a movie, I have to see it more than once. But this movie has left such an impression on me because of how it is executed at the end. The last half of the movie cooks. The first half of the movie, I'm taking everything in. I'm taking everything in. The pacing is actually okay because they give you a little bit. Yes. They give you a couple of the the heists. They get the good character work. They get the good acting. You have the little fake out with the second heist that doesn't actually go anywhere. And then you have the big, big shootout that just gets you all amped up. Mm -hmm. And you want to know what happens next. And like you said, we were in a little bit of a lull after that. And then it ramps up for one last finale and it's over. Yeah. And yeah, you're just left exhausted because it's a three hour fucking movie and there's a whole lot that happens. Speaking of things that happen, because I don't want to forget to talk about this before we wrap this up. I know you really want to talk about Al Pacino in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Al Pacino, I know these couple of things just from other things, other references, and people have clipped these and like sent them around. But it's it's Pacino being Pacino. He is really doing his barking and doing his yelling. <laughs> he is quintess. This is quintessential Pacino. Yeah. He just goes to eleven out of nowhere. <laughs> right, and it's all happening pretty much in the first half of the movie. The first couple of times is when he's like visiting his CI and just yelling mfers all over the place. Yep. And it's like, no, don't waste my motherfucking time. Oh, he's gonna see me tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Oh, I'm Al Pacino. (laughs) Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Yeah, just screaming. Oh my God, dude, I'm right here. You don't have to yell. He's across the table. He is as far from you as Trent is from me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. And then of course, it's the famous scene with him and Hank Azaria where he's interrogating him in Vegas. Yep. Because a Hank Azaria, like, works in Vegas, I guess. He goes back and forth, Vegas to L.A. Sure. And he's been shacking up been with shacking up Chris's with Ashley wife. Judd. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, like, say- <laughs> he's saying something about, yeah, you got this woman. She's got a great ass. And <laughs> I just, oh, my God. And like, your, your head is all the way up there. And it's, Jesus Christ, man. He's just screaming. It's the way he says, great ass. Right. And apparently that was not called for in the script. That was not supposed to happen. Like, was that dialogue? Hank Azaria has told stories about this scene. Okay. That was not how it was supposed to go. But they kept it in the movie anyway. And I think if you look at Hank Azaria, because your eyes are just on Pacino, if you look at Hank Azaria in the film, he's like reacting to what he is doing. I think he's actually scared. Because he's not expecting his Al Pacino bark. If you have never worked with Al Pacino and Al Pacino unexpectedly turns into Al Pacino, (laughs) you too would be scared. I would be scared. If he just stirred it up in my face like that, yeah, I would also react the way he did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah. um, I haven't seen a lot of Pacino movies and... I think the one that really got me was when I watched Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah. Now, you love Betsy that movie. and I have talked about Glengarry so many times. 
It is my kind of movie because it is all dialogue. It's a play. And it is just a play. It is a play that they adapted for the screen. There's like three settings in the entire movie. There's only like five, six characters. But there's like powerhouse actors delivering this insane amount of dialogue. (laughs) It is such a great movie, beginning to end. And Al Pacino has some of the best, like, individual monologues of just dialogue straight. And I cannot believe that this was just off, like, off the top of his head. Yeah, he's just kind of riffing. He's just riffing. And he's he's a salesman. He's a real estate salesman in that movie. And he's just, he's going through this his entire thing. It's very matter of fact. And yeah, he's he's just great. <laughs> and he's good in this movie too. It's, it's really so is. weird for a guy like this who is known for being so over the top who's also really good at subtlety (laughs) how can you be both the scenes of him with him and his wife and the and the kid yeah he's just he's just a regular dude there and then like he comes home and his wife has deliberately fucked some guy just to get his attention and he's sitting there and you'd expect him to explode and he's like yeah, I'm yeah, angry. yeah, I'm yeah, I'm angry. And you can fuck my wife. Yeah, and you you're can just, sit there on you're the just couch. Sitting there on the couch. But, but you cannot watch my but TV. You cannot watch my television set. <laughs> so yeah, he goes to eleven. Uh, I just remembered. There's another actor we haven't mentioned. Jeremy Piven. Jesus, yeah. Jeremy what the Piven fuck is was in Jeremy this Piven movie? doing in this? He is the doctor who like stitches Val Kilmer up. Yeah, at the very end, he has hair. He is very everywhere. Young. He's very young Takes with a mustache. <laughs> He gives him the shirt off his back. <laughs> <laughs> because De Niro's going to give him a pile of money. Well, and he's his is covered in blood. That too. So yeah, it's so weird. Just you're minding your own business and Jeremy Piven's there. No one wants that. No one wants that. Uh, well, anything else, Betsy, before we, we wrap this up? I mean, again, I, I want to watch this again and look for all the metaphors and things like that. The one I noticed was like when he goes to see Danny Trejo he is in this house on the side of the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. And it's on stilts. And right. De Niro lives on this house on the water that I assume yeah. is also on stilts. These are metaphorical houses <laughs> built on stilts that could fall apart at any time. <laughs> it's true. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And like a lot of this stuff is, um, again, I mentioned it in the intro. They took so much in uh, into the Grand Theft Auto V from this movie. It yeah. is it is all sorts of different kinds of characters. It is the veteran who's been doing it forever. They've got the fucking crazy guy who will just go off like uh will that will just go off the live wire, the, the hothead. Yeah. The loose cannon. Right. And they they recruit this young kid to bring in uh to help him out. They've got like the Hollywood Hill stuff all up in here. Um yeah, it's it's really crazy how how much they took from that. I believe it. But all right. Well, that's that's going to be all we have to say about heat. Because I think today. we could probably keep talking a lot about right. this, so we're going to stop ourselves we're, we're while gonna, we're ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got one email, email to read from Stephanie about the other guys, which we just watched. From Stephanie, I have only seen this once. I remember it being funny, and also that there were just a ton of people in it. Correct. Uh, I love Michael Keaton in most things, this included. I just never really felt the urge to watch this movie again. I like most Adam McKay movies, but this one just doesn't stand out. Fair. Like you yeah. said, it's very much at the kind of the bottom of the Adam McKay list. And it's right in between 
him doing really goofy shit right. and him doing biting satire. Exactly. And he can't quite l- stick the landing because he's mm-hmm. doing a little bit of both in this one. Yeah. And then she says, earlier this week, we watched Con Air. Hey! A, a, a movie we have both seen. We were just talking we about were that. We just talking about Con Air. Uh, this movie is delightfully bad. Maybe my favorite bad movie. Not sure if I ever mentioned this, but at our extended family Easter party, we had a cornhole tournament. We came in third, by the way. Our team name was Corn Air. Oh, gosh. And I made t-shirts. See attach pictures. Love you guys. Great episode, as always. And yes, uh, just to explain it to the listeners at home, we have Nick Cage in his uh, tank top Holding a bunny. Which, if you've seen Con Air, he's bringing a bunny rabbit stuffed toy to his daughter. Right. He's been in prison her entire life. Right. And there's the famous line, put the bunny back in the box. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And yes, I don't know. He's holding some papers in this picture. I don't really know what that is. I don't is. know what that is. I I've forget. only seen Con Air once, so... Maybe uh, it's his discharge papers because he's like in the knows? military in the movie. Who knows? But it's also him uh, w- like waving his hair in the wind. Freedom. freedom. Sweet, sweet freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Con excellent, Air excellent is pictures. a ridiculous absurd movie if you want to talk about a star studded event it's every weird character actor and that's a Bruckheimer picture isn't it I think so yeah yeah you got fucking John Cusack you got Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle is in this movie yeah you have Nicolas Cage you have John Malkovich Mm -hmm. you have Steve Buscemi we have Danny Trejo who we just mentioned Mm -hmm. and a ton more than I'm completely forgetting about (laughs) (laughs) so yeah if you like just stupid action movies definitely watch Con Air and that's a stupid one oh it's so dumb I love it I love it so much it's really good though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but right. thank you, Stephanie, thank you, for, Stephanie the email. for the email. And, of and course. the visual aid of that <laughs> ridiculous t-shirt. <laughs> yes. I, we, we should make t-shirts. We really should. Yes. Anyway, that is going to be the end of the show. If you want to email us, the email address is neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Tell us about your family Easter things. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, neverseenit underscore pod. Tweet at us your thoughts and feelings and your hopes and dreams and desires. It's only only 280 characters, so keep it short. <laughs> if you want to support this show, click the link in the podcast description. It'll take you to a page on Anchor where you can throw us a buck there. If you don't have any bucks to throw us, that's fine. All we ask is that you rate us on iTunes and Spotify and share us with your friends. But that's going to be the end of the show. I appreciate you being here with us, listening to the end. One of these days, I'm going to put in some kind of Easter egg at the end of this, <laughs> just to reward those of you who are listening through made it to the end. all the way to the end. But yes, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent, and my name is Betsy, and we will be back with you with another episode later on. Thanks, guys. Bye bye.